Hello and welcome to the Nicole Murphy podcast. Today on this Instagram live interview, we're going to be joined by Crystal Kara. She is still technically a nurse and she was pregnant and working on the front lines during the last couple years. But she saw some stuff, obviously, as we have seen, that she wasn't vibing with. And she very much is now a personal trainer trying to help empower women to become unstoppable, unstoppable, vibrant, beautiful, healthy women. Let's see here. I see her joining. Hold on. Kind of share why, what it was like on the front lines, as well as why she's decided not to go back as a nurse and what she has cooking up now. Hi, Crystal, how's it going? Hi. Hi. Good, I'm so, I'm good. so excited for this you? conversation and I'm glad you clarified right before we went live. You're still technically a nurse. And yeah, I'm assuming I'm that the reason why um, your job is being offered back to you is because you were on maternity leave. Yeah, so I worked the front line, like deep in the front line since day one. Uh, and then I was pregnant for most, most some of that time. Some of that time I wasn't pregnant. And then um, I went off work uh, right around the time that things started getting a little crazy. And um, yeah, I have a job. I have an extended maternity leave, um, which I'm not supposed to go back for uh, until like the winter. Um, so I have made the decision that if this madness continues, if mandates continue, I mean, I'm not going back. Um, yeah. so it's unfortunate, but cause I know that the healthcare system was struggling, like even just September, like emergency rooms closing and we're not even talking like rural communities. We're talking like one of the emergency room that um, I used to be in the hospital that I worked at 12 years ago uh, closes at UBC at nighttime now because there's no physicians and no That's staff. wild. Let's rewind so. a second. Why did you go into nursing? What was, what was your dream there? Oh, geez. Okay, so it kind of all happened. Um, I wanted to become a substance abuse counselor because I live in Vancouver and substance abuse mental health is you know it it happens a lot here and um there was a huge need so i went into that i was like i'm gonna be a substance abuse counselor and i'm gonna like change the world four years later i was like i, I had actually experienced um one of my clients so i was going to school and i was on a practicum working in a um a facility and we had a gentleman that was hearing thoughts and um you know telling us his thoughts of committed committing suicide so we had taken him it was my job as a newbie to take him to the hospital so um that experience changed everything for me i took him to the hospital and um the medical staff the nurses at the emergency were just like you are another drug user and we don't like you're obviously going through psychosis this is not an actual thing and brushed him off to the side and i was like jaw dropped because i was like in my young you know i was young 20s and i was like why are why is no one helping him and um that actually changed i was like i'm gonna go into um, 
the healthcare system and I'm going to be that different nurse. Like I'm going to make a difference. Right. And I'm going to change. I just wanted to change things. So uh, I went into nursing that year and it was awesome. And you've been a nurse for 12 years. What areas have you worked? Yeah. Um, I've worked in, uh, long term, not long-term care. We, um, like transitional care units for when, you know, a lot of older people break their hips, they come into surgery and then they come to us and they wait and we rehab them until they're able to go home. I've worked in an area called internal medicine, which was really fun and exciting because it's a lot of like guesswork, um, and working with the doctors that really are trying to figure things out and everything's kind of a mystery. Um, I've worked in uh, mental health, um, psych, and uh, I, that was a really big portion of my career was like downtown Eastside Vancouver. Um, and I was early 20s and I like worked my way up and I led a team and it was, it was awesome. Um, and everyone was like, why are you doing this, right? And it was, I was something that I was really passionate about. Uh, and then from there, um, obviously, I've worked in different areas, but I, in 2017, after having a baby in 2014 and realizing this demanding profession was taking away my own health and well-being, I was like, I'm, I'm going to help in a different way. I could see, you know, I always say like the more pills that I popped, it was like the more I felt like I was, I had to evaluate, am I harming or am I helping? And this was something that one of my um, college teachers had mentioned in substance abuse counseling. We always have to stay neutral and reevaluate. Are we helping or are we harming? And it came to this point where I kept seeing like, all of these things that kind of just, you know, like made my head go like, what? In healthcare and just some of the decisions the doctors were making um, with people on chronic, with chronic pain, putting them on, you know, taking them off of pills and putting them on harder substances that they'll never get off. Um, like methadone, if anyone ever knows what that is, it's just like, it's impossible to get off of. And I was like, why? And they were like, well, it's cheaper. And, and I was like, but it's so much worse for them. And I think I was that really abrasive nurse that always challenged the status quo. And yeah, I just, I wanted to do something different. So I got into health coaching um, and personal training and I felt like this was more aligned for me instead of receiving people broken in a bed and trying to fix them. I felt like I was really helping on the other side of that, right? Preventing them ever needing. And so it's interesting because so much of what we've heard is, you know, if you're speaking out, if you don't want to get beat, if you're questioning what's going on, you're not compassionate, you don't care about people. And it sounds like your career, what really led you to all of this was com being compassionate, was questioning and wanting what's best for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, it was like when the trucker convoy happened and I'm so, I'm so grateful for that, but it was like all of, you know, people in my community were having this stigma around like truckers and, and, and how, you know, I saw, I think someone said that, that, you know, there was like a F Trump sign and, and, and it just like kind of was swung in this way to like make people look kind of less than 
And I was like, but actually, I think most physicians, nurses, people with high, high level degrees, like, it's not just like, oh, these rugged truckers that are just like F Trump. Like, we are all, like, we're all in this and we are all questioning this for a reason. And I think like when this all went down last September, we had well over 10,000 nurses that were like, we're not getting the jab, right? And I think thousands more got it because they were like, if I can't feed my family, how am I going to do this? Right. So it's, it's a lot of people with like this high level education. were asking questions. Like it wasn't just (laughs) truckers that don't care about anybody that are just, you know, rugged. Yeah. There was, it's ironic because the, the people who are supposed to be inclusive and like not about status and things like that, it's like, they're not about status and they're inclusive. If you're saying what they, what they want to hear. If you're like, it's very odd. It's a very odd hypocrisy. Imagine being in healthcare, advocating for people's patients' right to refuse, the right to, to consent, like informed consent, advocating for people to have like transparency, and then being told that you're not allowed transparency. <laughs> so my 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 career was based on staying neutral, like loving people, giving them the right to choose, the right to refuse, and then being pushed into a corner myself and not be like, every, all of that. Okay, well, that's like, interesting. What? You were working during the pandemic for part of it, correct? So since day one, so I had left um, and I had left the healthcare. And the funny thing is, I was like, let me get my, like, my child was really young and I went into personal training because, like I said, it was very demanding health, like working night shifts and having young children at home. And I was working in a psych unit. So at that time, I, uh, when I decided that my child was older, you know, I'd done the mom thing for a long time. I was going to like kind of get my feet wet and go back casually. And um, I couldn't get a job and I couldn't get a job. I was at that time, 10 years experience nurse, um, I couldn't get a job that um, I liked, let's say. It was all like the really not so great jobs. And so I, I got a job in the city, working for the city, and we were doing um, like warming shelters through the winter. And we were, uh, we were up all night and it was obviously a lot of like harm reduction, really, really hard stuff, dealing with like overdoses, 911 calls, you know, all night long. So I was working there when the pandemic hit. Um, And then we obviously revised because March 13th, everything closed. And then we took over larger spaces that were closed down. And we created like huge sites so that we could house um, all of our vulnerable sector people, right? So I was there and they were, I wanted to I wanted to go and work and, you know, do my part back in the hospital. And they were like, please, please, we need you. So I stayed there for the first month and helped them because they had someone in healthcare that knew about like viruses and masks and sanitizing and all of this stuff. So that was great. And then after a month, um, I had applied for a job in the test site. So they were opening up one of the large, like one of the larger test sites here in uh, Vancouver. 
and I got hired, no interview, just you've been a nurse for 10 years, we need help now. So I show up on day one and we're testing like between, you know, we were short, very short staff. So between three of us on day one, we had tested 400 people. The lineups were like around the block. But we're talking like panic mode, right? This is, mm -hmm. this is the very beginning. Um, so I worked there and I worked there for months. And um, we, yeah, I, I got to see, you know, I got to see a lot in the beginning. My friends laugh at me because I like to say, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram now, you know what's up with me. But in the beginning, I was very asleep, very, very asleep. Um, and it was, thank God for my role in public health that I I'm curious. My eyes. Yeah, I'm curious. So you're in the it. beginning, you're right in the heart of it. You're testing people. You're dealing with vulnerable sectors. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with all that. Mm -hmm. What changes your mind? What makes you go, this something's off? The way that mainstream media was portraying um, this virus was that it was like wiping people out. And, um, and I was so afraid. I was coming home and being, you know, <laughs> wiping down the groceries, you know, doing everything. And, and then I, we were, we were holding probably anywhere from like 100 patrons a night, like in the first site, let's say. Um, and we had nurse, like we had a, a, like a third party team coming in and they were testing people that felt like they, they had symptoms. And we, out of the entire season for the entire four months that this place was open and we're talking a hundred people a night, one COVID case with no spread, which like no transmission to other um, patrons that are servicing this um, warming center for 12 hours. And I was expecting something so different, right? We had more of a problem with like the epidemic of the drugs because of the problems that were happening in the borders and you know everything. So we had more of a problem with overdoses than we were having with COVID. And then going in to the test centers and like testing everybody and everyone's like coming in tears and panic and like, you know, I'm sick, I think I'm gonna die and, and, and just really assuring people like, it's going to be okay. And then we had seen, like, we were getting the results back and they just weren't, what I was seeing on the mainstream media, it was, it was like heightened, this like big heightened of fear. And I really wasn't afraid. Like, I don't think anybody was really afraid. I mean, there were some people that were afraid that we worked with, but, but it didn't seem like we were getting that many positive results back. Because the, the leaders were telling us how many, you know, out of 400 people that we had tested, we were getting, I can't remember what the numbers were, but they were really small, like 1%. And I'm like, okay, well, 1%, like, let's see how this rolls out. So fast forward a couple of months, I went to, I went to um, contact tracing. So if you were put into quarantine or you were a positive case from, you know, December 2020, like December to June, like you may have talked to me, <laughs> right? So we were um, calling, if you were a positive case, you were getting a phone call in the beginning every day for seven days. And that really was like, I was, we get a chart 
and you see, okay, well, I have like a 96 year old or 76 year old and, you know, they have, let's say prostate cancer, like you get a health history of what's going on. And I think before I pick up the phone to, you know, check on my little grandpa who's 70 something years old and how are you doing? And he's like, oh, the only hard part is that I'm alone, right? And I just kept hearing this all day, every day. So I, I mean, that for me was like, is this about our health? Is this really, are we really locking up healthy people because they're, you know, they may be a positive case because they had contact with someone and we're putting these people in, in, in their houses for 14 days. They're perfectly healthy. They have no symptoms. And it's like, I can't even tell you the things that I heard on the other end of those phone calls. I would go to bed haunted, haunted at nighttime <laughs> with threats of committing suicide and me trying to find resources for these, you know, these people who, you know, maybe they've been in contact with several people that had been infectious and they're like going back into quarantine, going back into quarantine, going back into quarantine. It, it just made no sense. See, hearing you talk about that, it's, it's painful. It also makes me wonder, you're not the only healthcare professional who mm -hmm. is experiencing this. So then how come you were mm -hmm. able to wake up? Do you think other people did as well? They're just too scared to lose their jobs or what? what's going on? Mm -hmm. A lot of us uh pre 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 these had many open honest conversations a lot of us did and we were all kind of questioning does this kind does this make sense so the funny thing is is experienced nurses were coming into contact tracing so contact tracing in my area had um five or six people working there because you know we didn't really have a lot of stuff going on viruses right so they emergency hired all of these people and um a lot of them had no experience a lot of them weren't nurses a lot of them that were leading the team were um health science professionals just out of school and they were the leaders and and we needed to call like if you went in and you did a test you would you know get your results over the phone and then public health would call you you'd receive a call from us so let's say hypothetically so in this one situation i had this mom and like you know maybe her her the grandma was sick and then and then like the young child started becoming sick and and i'd say okay well let's just assume that they're now sick because they're three like let's not force them to go and get a test and from the top the leaders were like, no, 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 you got to make them. No, 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 you got to get them to the test site. And I'm like, but they don't drive. They're all sick. They don't want to hop in a taxi. We'll get, we'll get them an Uber. And I was like, what is this big push to get the test result? Why do you want this result to be positive? So like in, from the beginning, I was like, no, 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 I don't, push my patients to do any medical intervention. It is a choice. And if they want to refuse their three-year-old getting that down their, you know, nose, they can. Because I'll tell you, I wouldn't do that to my kid. If I was sick, I would just say, hey, my, my kid is sick too. Yeah. 
right? But people were so panicked because we had no protocol. We had no outpatient early protocol. We had no way to, to, to tell people, hey, this is what you need to take at home to feel better. It was take Tylenol, when you get sick, then go to the emergency, when you get sicker. So people are coming to this point where it's like, well, now I can't breathe, you know, very early on. Um, and it's like, why did we let it go that far? Why did we tell people to just stay home and get sicker? When there's a lot of things that we do in healthcare that we've been doing for centuries. That's so, that's so interesting. So yeah. this, this, this push, it's the push that, it's the push that got me. I was, it was, it was very early on the right to refuse. Yeah. And, and just echoing what you're saying, if you already know the kid's probably sick with what you have, why do you need the test? You can figure it out. So then you're quite asleep at, but then you're starting to have these questions and wake up and you're saying that nurses and other healthcare professionals are talking and questioning what happens when all of a sudden, you know, we're mandating this. I don't know. I don't know really what happened. I think we knew what was, there were obviously many talks of, could this be a thing? Could this be mandated? But a lot of us believe like, I don't know. I think I'm a very optimistic person. I was just like, well, the flu shot's not mandated. We fought that and we fought back successfully. And that's a self-reporting system. So, you know, I think, I'm one to ruffle feathers. I always have been. And the, the, the group that I sat with in my neighborhood in the cubicles, we were all kind of ruffling feathers and asking these questions and having these chats. And um, we were talking about all this stuff. Some of us stood our ground. And some of us just like I know, you know, a handful of people that were like, if they're going to fire me over it, I'm going well, I know they're going to, I know that this is coming, so I'm just going to go into it. So fascinating. And now, of course, we've seen that the mandates have had horrible consequences, not only, you know, on the healthcare system, but mm -hmm. there has been physical problems. Um, so you shifted, you decided, hey, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily want to be in that world. You had a child, another child. You were pregnant working in the pandemic too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people couldn't believe that I was pregnant working the front line. What are you doing here? Right? Or like, like when they would see me with my belly, they were like, this is not safe for you. Even nurses that I work with, this is not safe for you. You have to find another job. And, and then fast forward a couple of months, it was like, now my OB is telling me to do the thing and it's not even recommended yet. Right? And I, like, I know. And then there's been changes <laughs> of that recommendation in the UK and stuff recently. It's, it's been wild. So, so now what are you creating and, and, and why do you think it's important to be doing this? Let's, let's just, let's just hop on that okay. topic of yeah. the changes for a, a quick sec. Cause like that is so important not to skip over that we know that pregnant and breastfeeding women are not included in any trial of anything, right? And, you know, 
Pfizer documents came out that they weren't included. Pfizer documents have come out that it is un unsafe for pregnant and breastfeeding women. That is like, <laughs> that should be grounds to sue, right? But they're so protected. It's ironclad. You can't really do anything about it. There's you know, babies that have been struggling. There's women that have been struggling because they were forced to do something that they, they, they weren't included in the trial because of the safety risk. And they're still, in Canada, they're still pushing it. The UK, no, you can't do that. And lots of places in Europe, they're not allowing um, pregnant and breastfeeding women. And it's so tough because it. places are doing all different things. I, and it's hard to know, like, you have to keep updated. Like I, I do, I've done a lot of research and then I'm like, okay, this is happening here. But then it switched over here. So this should this should be front 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 news. Yeah, front page. Thank you. I was like, what page is news. Front page news. Yeah. But it's not. Mm -hmm. We made a mistake. We made a mistake. People suffered because of it. Like that the fact that they're still saying, let's 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 keep including pregnant and breastfeeding women in this thing. It's, it's disgusting. I am, I am just so um, astonished by your story because again, it's not that you were, you know, you were right there. You were taking those phone calls. You were interacting with vulnerable population mm -hmm. and the healthcare mm -hmm. system just doesn't appreciate your input. I know, I think it's so funny when people say hero to zero. I think it's so funny. I'm like, yeah, I guess we are just a bunch of zeros that did nothing, right? It, it's, I was so asleep in the beginning that on, I was working night shift and then I would get home from work and I was so concerned about the healthcare workers who were, you know, I don't know if you saw this in your province, but everyone was like, feed the healthcare workers, feed the healthcare workers, right? They're struggling. So I was getting my local community, they were donating, they were so generous, they were putting together like healthy foods. And I was delivering them to the hospitals and um, to people that I know that worked in emergency rooms and ICUs and the NICU, I was doing all that. So I was like, go, doing this crazy stuff to feed healthcare workers. And they were telling me like, it's so not busy here. <laughs> it's so dead. Thank you so much. Like, like some of the nurses were saying in the beginning, because the hospital was closed, they weren't letting anybody in, like how slow it was. <laughs> Your story is just like blowing my mind because it's like <laughs> what you personally experienced goes against what we were being told. Like it's, mm. it's so wild. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. So then your waking up was kind yeah. of gradual and slow. Um, when was, when were you mm -hmm. just like enough's enough? Like now you're creating um, a personal trainer health um, business to help women be empowered, vibrant, mm -hmm. unstoppable. When was that like, okay, I need to move towards this. Uh, so I think when everything was mandated, I was postpartum a couple of weeks. Um, they were, they had closed down the testing sites. Like they thought this was over. They closed down the testing sites. So they had displaced, displaced all the staff. 
and we were, um, you go through a routine to like get a new job. So I was like getting a new job, but I knew that this was mandated and I knew that they couldn't ask me. So I like, you know, played the game with them, went and got this new job in this other psych unit. And, um, and then I started to just be really anxious. So, you know, all of this was coming to light. I think the, like the V day, D day was like October something um, of last year, October 23rd or 28th, I think. Um, by that day, you had to have like your first shot or something. And then I was in all of these group telegram signal chats with like thousands of healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, and things were, we were all like, what do we do? Right. So we're all collaborating there. Some of the things that were said in there, I don't know if you were in any of the groups, but like they really started to make me panic. Um, there were a lot of like, we just didn't know what was going on. Right. We were, we thought people were going to be like coming to our doors. Just some of the stuff that people were saying in there was like really out there. And I would go to my husband and I'd be like, could this ever happen? Could this ever happen? And I was really starting to prepare. So I started to prep and I started opening my eyes to not only just that, but starting, you know, when you, when you start unraveling the onion and you're like, Oh, it's not just this. Like it's also now the food and it's also now like all these other things that, you know, it's, it's really hard on you emotionally. And I wasn't sleeping well. I had two kids at home one child who I pulled out of school and homeschooled, right? And that was a big thing. And that was really, really hard to, to do with an infant baby at home while processing the emotions of, am I going to be able to work in my career that I paid for and that I've earned this entire time? So it just, it was such a hard year. Um, and I realized that I was my most vibrant self when I, like I, I journaled every day and I would, I was just trying to find little pockets of time between homeschooling and, you know, raising this infant, keeping this infant alive, trying to find like 15 minutes to myself. So I would write down the night before, like what I'm going to do for myself. So I'd be like, whether I'm like having a, a tea with a book for five minutes, whether I'm like working out for 10 minutes and if that's all I could do today, then that was great. Or maybe that day I, I, I went for a little walk while the baby napped by myself. Like that was really important to me that I just went out hands-free by myself. So I just, I started developing routines for myself that I could do to get me outside of fear, to get me outside of trauma, to get me outside of the anxiety that I was feeling. Um, these, when you hear thoughts, when you hear that, you know, are we going to go into a war? What's going to happen, right? So that was really kind of what catapulted me into what I'm doing now is that's what strengthened me because I was really broken and I felt so alone. I couldn't, like I had, you know, a handful of girlfriends that I could talk to about this. Um, lots of like the closest family and friends to me I could I just I couldn't go there with them right and there was a lot of things said and I just kept biting my tongue and biting my tongue 
until I, I just realized like, this is such a disservice to myself. Like, why am I the one that's feeling awkward about my choices? Like, you know, I, I just, I had to start standing up. I had to start fighting for myself. I love that. I love that. What are some of the, cause you mentioned so, some of them, but what are some of the things that really helped you kind of shift that fear and anxiety into, you know, more regulated emotions? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, I, I wrote down every day what I could, like five things I could do for myself today. So whether that would be a workout, it was always a workout. And if I could only stretch that day, then I could only stretch that day. And it was better than nothing. Um, I just reverting back to nourishing my soul so that my kids see the best of me and they don't see me struggling. Cause I, I had these fears that some really bad things were going to happen. And thank God they didn't. Thank God none of those things came true. But I was, I kept writing down, prepare for the worst, but pray for the best. And I just, that was like my mantra every day, prepare for the worst, pray for the best. And I didn't want my kids to see me struggling. So while I was homeschooling, I was like, this is what we're doing today. This is your PE. We're doing jumping jacks. We're doing squats. We're doing burpees. You're doing them with mama. Um, and those, I really needed to get out of that fight or flight feeling. And that's, those are the smallest things that you can do when you feel like you wake up from your sleep and you don't feel rested. You got to reevaluate. What are you doing? Like, are you on your phone too late at night? Are you stressing about something? Why are you in fight or flight response? Yeah, totally. And right? then, and then shifting that so you can be more present with your family and people you love. Mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. are the women that you're helping now like what are you most helping them with I think they come to me and it's the outside like they they um my digestion's not the greatest my body hurts right I have pain or like I f- physically want to have a flatter stomach or smaller thighs, but then it always comes back to, oh, I realized that I'm not drinking enough water. Now I crave water. I realized that my sleep is better. I realized that my energy levels are better and my mood is better. My skin So yeah, it's like, it's like they go in for one and, reason, but and, then the solutions and what's actually gonna help them is something different. Yeah, it's way deeper than- What are some of the stomach. misconceptions around personal mm-hmm. training and health coaching? Oh, geez. There's so many. I have like a love hate relationship with the fitness industry. It can be really cringy sometimes and make it. I always tell my clients, like, I don't care what, I don't care about your hot body. Like it's not about a hot body. Can you move? Can you like, can you move without pain? Can you move functionally? Will you be able to, you know, for me, it was, it was when I was stressed for leaving, like I couldn't leave my house. I had kids at home. I couldn't just go out with, to a restaurant with some girlfriends because I wasn't allowed to do any of that. Right. There was no release for me. So finding what is your release. Um, and for a lot of people getting into motion 
Yeah, it's so important. It's so important to get that body moving. What are some of you mentioned that you have some mantras, you mentioned one of them. What are some of the other mantras that really helped you get through uncertainty? Um, I think, like, just saying to myself, like, I am present. I am connected. Everything comes to me with ease. Right? Those kind of things. Um, I can share them with, with you, like, on another time. I have them all written down, but, like, these are the ones that make me present and internally strong right because when i feel like i'm pushing and pushing and pushing i'm actually resisting i'm actually in a resistance with my life so just showing up and being present in those moments like we're always outside of ourselves we're like on the phone we're always doing something we're never aware like so many people go through life not aware how they feel so they don't know how they if if they feel like crap they don't know the difference because they may have always That's so true and like that numbness of like when you're just disassociated kind of going through life on the programs you just you don't tune in to your body you don't tune in to what's going on mm-hmm. yeah you're like so what is your how, yeah what is your hope for the people. the people that you're working with now my hope is that they are able to find little pockets of time for themselves because we do as women, we do everything for everybody. And actually a lot of my community are in this process of like building a business, moving away from the system that they were in or stuck in. And now they're creating something new. And even a business owner, like we always say, we don't have time. We don't have time as you know parents we don't have time there's always time to fit in and it, and it gets longer the more you practice it you have to have baby steps um so i think this all or nothing mindset is what i hope that my clients can achieve and and get rid of this like you know i named my programs unstoppable because i want you to be unstoppable i don't want I want you to keep going and keep prioritizing yourself no matter what life throws at you. If I was able to do it during a pandemic, you know, at home, stuck inside, kids, like you can too, you can too. I could have used that to my excuses. And, and I did for a couple of weeks, but I was like, I feel like crap. This is my postpartum. And this is what I, I, I didn't, as a health conscious person, I did not expect my postpartum period to feel so heavy and so dark. Um, so I want them to achieve this mindset that no matter what happens, they keep going. Why don't you touch on that just to give people an idea, like where were you before this? What were you experiencing in that dark time to what do you experience now? Just share that transformation. Yeah. The feeling. The feeling I fear, anger, trauma, so much anger. And I think a lot of people are still hanging on to the anger. I experienced that in just my community and, and talking mm-hmm. with my friends online. A lot of people are still really angry and, and fine. And then unraveling 
What about the skeptics that are now coming around, right? Now they're angry because for the last two years, they believed something else to be true. I have people in my life where they're now just catching on. They're now just realizing that they were fooled and they have regret. So we got to get rid of the fear and we got to get rid of the anger because all of that emotion just holds you back and takes you outside of yourself. You're not, you can't be present if you're always thinking about mm, being angry. That's very, so that's actually really nice for people to hear too, though, that people have changed their mind and come to you and have expressed that. Mm-hmm. So many. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people, even, you know, my mom doesn't watch this, but my mom, my mom's like, I, I did my part. I locked myself down. Like this is supposed to be my mom's retirement. She had this big plan. You know, she stayed home. She listened to the travel advisory. She listened to getting her, her, you know, jabs. And she was like, why am I going to do this again? She was, you, you know, now that I've been like talking to her about the research that's coming out, she was like, why would I keep doing this? It doesn't change anything. And she has major regret, major regret. There's so many people that push, right? Push their views onto other people. And I have that in my, like with my, my own family, my mother's side of my family. It's like, well, did you do this? And did you do that? And you're not doing the right thing. Well, a lot of us are doing the right thing. <laughs> We yeah, are. it's just not perceived that way. And it's so it's so fascinating that you're actually a nurse on the front lines working and they would think that they like wouldn't they think to ask you about what's going on? Do you know what I mean? Don't you think that the right thing to do would have been to protect people from the gecko and given them outpatient early care so that less people had to suffer? So that we could have more of a plan don't you think if all of this energy went to those things but what about if the energy went to a, a care plan that we could say take this and let's focus on anti-inflammatory because we know that this virus is causing inflammation yeah and even just the health messaging as well in two years people if mm -hmm. they took small little steps to being healthier physically and having better metabolic health and things like that could be at a way different place right now than they were at the beginning of 2020. Mm -hmm. The sad thing is, is I think so many, because of this, so many people have let go of the trust in their own body to heal, right? Because we're so now indoctrinated that we need outside sources to heal us, protect us, prevent, Ooh. right? But the body, your your body, can, it's been treating itself your entire yeah, life. Yeah, and you know, I had someone actually say to me, and they really believed it, that without these, like not just these ones, but these in general, that the human race might have been extinct. And I was like, that's not based mm -hmm. in science. So we have all these thousands, mm -hmm. thousands, 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 thousands of years of humans existing, but in the last, yeah, but somehow it's these. And of course, what we're seeing is, yeah, not just like jabs in general really need to be questioned, I think. And that's coming to the surface. Well, there's a lot of people that um, 
are not in our community and they question this jab yeah. but not anything else because if because they're they're trained and they're so indoctrinated that if you question those childhood ones right then that's really that yeah it's so fascinating and again the truth doesn't mind being questioned it, it's it's so mm -mm. I think science should be questioned. I think, you know, there's so much talk now, like, why are we having a shortage of Tylenol? I think someone asked me that the other day, like, why are we having a shortage of childhood Tylenol? I'm like, I don't know. Does that mean that children are more sick? Are they going to now, you know, blame supply issues for that? Or are people panic buying? Um, I mean, there's so, there's, and now research is coming out about all of these things that we thought were healthy and safe and effective and they're not and thank god for those people who are writing and these were we're talking like medical journals you know the average person general the general population they're not reading medical journals they don't know how to they're complicated it's it's hard to read the cdc i was gonna say it's it's yeah there's there's an element of um certainty that people want that in that wanting of that certainty that's where the issue comes. Like we have to be open and curious and saying like, is this actually helping my health? What's the result? What's going on there? It's so interesting. What? Yeah. So go, go for it. Sorry. So what I will say is the one thing that you can do for your health, for yourself. And it's cliche to say is, is to eliminate stress. But even when we, it's, it's managing the stress. Right. Think about all of those people. The the what what were they calling at twenty, the COVID twenty, COVID twenty. Right. Everyone gained twenty pounds in the first lockdown. Why? Because we were stressed. We were stress eating, right? And how many people magnified their problems being stuck at home, right? If you had were in a relationship and your relationship wasn't the best relationship, it was amplified your problems were amplified. And a lot of people, like psychologically, that they go, they turn to Yeah, food. exactly. And then with that, you become more unhealthy and more susceptible to getting sick. Yeah. More vulnerable, yeah. And th this is why I have that on my Instagram. I'm preventing disease and pro promoting health because the stress, like, inflammation is a is a leading cause of all chronic chronic illnesses They're, that's in textbooks for centuries we know this more and more talk about inflammation these days we know that this virus causes inflammation we know that these cause inflammation we know now that that the virus is man-made that's common knowledge you know the general public they were they're not going to see that on mainstream media yeah. So we have people who are courageous like you and many other people in our community that are talking about these things and we have to tackle it. We have to tackle, okay, you had the virus and I'm not going to say it on your page, but you you got to tackle that inflammation. So this is what we can do to tackle it. we got to move. we got to sweat. we got to nourish our, our body with proper ingredients we have food is medicine it's always been our or it medicine. can do the opposite <laughs> yeah as we're seeing right 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about real food. Yeah, not the, the real, processed the real plastic. Food, right. Um, Crystal, exactly. what do you think the biggest lie you once believed was? I love it when you ask this question. And I was thinking about this for myself. I think, I think, I thought I was really, I thought I was really helping as a nurse. I thought I was really doing something rewarding to people. And I think that's controversial. I think people will say, yeah, you know, nurses help. They do. But it's the system that we are built upon that's broken. So if you're on top of this system and you have these parameters that hold you in and you can only help in this way, you're not allowed to go right or left, right? And for me, it's taking care of your body and your soul is gonna prevent you from illness. You're never gonna need a healthcare system. I call it the sick care system. If you really nourish yourself, sure, things can happen. Accidents happen, you know, falls and things like that. But all of our chronic illnesses, all of these modern illnesses, they come from our this modern life that we have. So if you're going back to just nourishing your body and your soul and being present with yourself, when we had before we had all of this technology and everything taking us outside of ourselves. We had a lot less illness. So, yeah, like right? chronic specifically. Chronic illness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What are some things, how can people work with you? What are the programs that you have going on if they want to interact with you? Or... Oh, I'm losing connection with you. That's okay. Sorry, I lost um, you for so, time. what are um how can people work with you what programs do you have or what options do you have if people want to you know yeah okay so i have a lot of different options because i know here here's the here's what i know i know that it's hard to find the time i know that it's hard to find the money and i know that it's hard to find the support in terms of like accountability so i have different options for people to cater to that um we're living like not everybody can go and spend hundreds of dollars to be in person with a personal trainer and i don't want you to i think that's highway robbery right i think that that you should be able to have access to someone to help you with that accountability for 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 less so i have these programs i build out a six weeks program you have me full access and we go through all of these beginning bumps in the road to and, and I set you off with a plan and then we may change that plan and um, I also have obviously more higher tier like premier coaching plans where you're face to face with me on a bi-weekly um, on a bi-weekly schedule and we go through all of these things. We break apart your days, we break apart your nutrition, we break apart your activity, your lifestyle, and we try to, and we, and we build upon that. Um, and then I also have a membership site where I do fitness classes and that's 
the value there is insane. Like what people are paying for one fitness class in person, they're getting a month with me. I love that. Okay. And I'm, I'm bringing in, yeah. So I'm bringing in years of experience and a background in healthcare to help set people up with, with more than just movement, but helping women really find the time to prioritize themselves because when we are better, we trickle to our husbands, our coworkers, our family, our, all of these people get the best of us, the most vibrant of us. I don't, I don't like to say like living your best life. I just want, I just want people to be their, high, their most vibrant. I love that. And I, I know that for some people, maybe they would listen to that and be like, well, why do I have to show up and be the best for other people? But I think it's everybody has to take that responsibility on because we're here to help each other and to serve each other. And, and that happens when we're, when we're vibrant, we bring out the vibrancy in other people as well. Whether you think you're being something for someone else, like you, you, everybody has a job. Everybody's, providing a service like to somebody like I'm providing a service to my family like <laughs> I'm being a mom that is my role whether you're a stay-at-home mom if you're not working you all everybody has a job in their life we're all doing something and it involves other people so if you're going to give to other people you have to give to yourself right it's that cup half full half empty thing and do you want to wake up feeling energized? Probably not. Like you don't probably want to wake up feeling like crap every day. You don't want to hit a wall at three o'clock and be looking at the clock. Like, geez, when are my kids going to bed? Or when am I getting out of this shithole? You don't want to be moody with your relationships because you feel like that crap or missing out on vacations or missing out on your life because you're not feeling confident. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to say to to wrap this up, um, your journey has is really, really unique and gives a lot of insight to what's taken place. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I mean, I think I've touched on everything. I just really want people to feel fearless and confident and secure and safe. Because for all going on three years, we've felt quite opposite of that. And so especially for my like freedom fighter communities, like we, this is the time that we are rising up and you're, you're putting yourself first because it's been really, really. Yeah. Rough. And it sounds like what you're saying too, is it, it's like you're putting yourself first to be nourished in order to show up again as your most vibrant self and have the impact and, and share the, the joy and the love. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we only have each other. We only have each other. And so many of us have, have made great connections through this community. And, and, you know, some people have been alone, like alone and suffering or single. And can you imagine? And, and we only have each other and we'll only, we want to implement change and have that impact on the rest of the world so it's like we better be the best version of ourselves that's so great okay well, i have one more question. what this was such a fun chat i have one more question yeah yeah it has been fun. Such i'm a curious fun chat. what are some of your dreams for the future yeah. 
what what is the um what does it look like for you to be thriving and helping and and how the changes could happen in the world okay nicole but for my dreams for the future for me yeah for me specifically i i never ever ever want to be locked into a system that i'm not aligned with i'm not crying um i just i can never i can't do that i can't force people i can't work in a system that's going to judge people or discriminate or make people more sick and profit off of it. Mm -hmm. My dream is that I'm able to work from home and be with my babies and work on a schedule on my own terms and, and put my own health and well-being as, as a priority and have that balance. And uh, I hope that everyone else can find the same. I hope that you're not stuck in any system that holds you back and finding a way out of that. That is so beautiful. That's a great place to end. And I am so sure that there are lots of people sitting here who feel that pull as well. Like you don't want to be stuck in a job in a system where you actually think you're hurting people. That's horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or just feeling like you're giving everything to your job and not able to give back to you. That's a, that's a shitty place to feel. To live that's not living no no that's like anymore. rat race we're so yeah awesome okay thank you so much yeah. crystal and everyone check out this page give her a follow thank and i will you. put um yeah i'll tag you in this in this instagram live so if anyone wants to check you out check out your programs it'll be super easy for you to find okay you can also share in the comments um or i can comment after my website would be lovely if you could you know i always say we don't have instagram we don't own it it could be gone tomorrow um a lot of what i say online does ruffle feathers so you could just not see me yeah. here so join my email list to stay in the loop and um we can connect yeah. on another beautiful level. awesome thanks crystal and i will put your website and then this okay. goes out on um podcast as well so it'll be easy for people to click into your website from there yeah okay okay see ya okay have great. a great day bye awesome bye nicole have a good week